0: Good morning. morning. We are starting a new uh, book today, the book of Colossians. We're going to look at Jesus. And remember, the main thing is to always keep the main thing, the main thing. And there's not a better book than Colossians to do that. Well, what's the main thing, you might ask? I thought, you might ask, so I'm going to tell you, Jesus. It's all about him. Isn't he something And as I started going through and studying for uh, this message, boy, did that jump out at me and just encourage my heart. I hope you are as encouraged as I have been going through Colossians. If you need a Bible, we've got some in back. We'd love to put one in your hand. And if you need to take it home, put your name in it. It's yours. Okay, and I think... The print's a little bigger. I might even get one one of these days. Not that I need it. Yeah, I do. So, Paul is still in prison in Rome. Colossians is the last prison epistle. He's never visited Colossae. But the church in Colossae is a direct result Of Paul's ministry. It was kind of fascinating to me. You see, for three years, he was in Ephesus, and the Ephesian church was begun in Ephesus, and for three years, he was teaching, he was discipling, he was equipping God's people to be ministers. You know what that's like, right? To be ministers just to let the Lord just flow in them and through them and touch others' lives with his love. And one of the guys that was there that he was ministering to, uh, he lived in Colossae. And it's located about 90 miles east of Ephesus. And this young man went back home. Well, anyway, I want to share as we went through the book of Uh, Acts together. We read this just a reminder of of what Paul did, Acts 19. Paul entered the synagogue in Ephesus. He spoke boldly for three months. Uh, It was all about Jesus and the king and the kingdom of God. Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe. They publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two more years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, that included Colossae, heard the word of the Lord. So one of the young disciples got so excited about Jesus, gave his heart to Jesus, was baptized, by the way and went home, and he couldn't not tell his family and friends and others about Jesus. And so Epaphras, which we'll read about in this book, um, shared the love of Jesus with them, and the Colossian church was born. We see Paul's heart for what he did in Ephesus when he sends a letter to young Timothy, his disciple in the Lord, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and I'm going to apply it to Epaphras. Therefore, you, my son, Epaphras, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the new life that Jesus made possible. Just share his love with others is the idea. And so Paul goes on there. And the things that you've heard from me, Paul, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, your family, your friends, who will be able to teach others also. So there we see we got Paul, we got Epaphras, we got family and friends, and we've got others. And until it gets to the others, the job isn't really done in discipleship. Until things were going great in Colossae, until something crazy began to happen. Now Jesus told us that this would happen to be aware of it, but here it came on hard, coming after these new believers in Colossae, False teachers and false doctrine came knocking on their door. Some became so troubled that it placed a chokehold on their newfound walk with Jesus. And Epaphras headed for Paul, uh, did a little bit of research. Um, a Bible teacher, uh, Walvert, uh, kind of outlined what some of the issues were. And as we read through these, if there's a world religion, if there's a cult that's going on in one of these areas, this is what they teach. It stressed a need for observing Old Testament laws and ceremonies. It was built on the law, trying to be good enough, earn God's favor. It was philosophical, emphasis on a special, deeper knowledge, almost mystical. It involved the worship of angels as mediators to God. And number four, it stressed a special privilege for those who had arrived, the perfection that they had obtained, a few select elite. But finally, and most importantly, and the greatest damage of all, it denied the very deity of Christ. And Walvert adds, thus calling forth one of the greatest declarations of Christ's deity found anywhere in the scripture. And what a great little book we have. Pastor, he's a new Christian himself. This Epaphras, he goes, man, I'm over my head. I don't know how to deal with these guys. He travels to Rome to see Paul, who's in prison and can't leave. Paul's response is this letter that we have in our hands today. Paul had never personally met these people, but it was his ministry through Epaphras that touched their lives and changed their lives. So let's look at. Colossians. We'll start with Paul's greeting, chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll look first of all at verses 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy was there visiting Paul as he was in prison also. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you, and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Pastor Epaphras, the young man, arrived. He's visiting Paul in the prison cell. And out of that visit comes one of the greatest defenses of the true faith, the ortho- of orthodox Christianity that we find anywhere in the New Testament. In this letter, Paul dissects the heresy and the attack on this young group of believers in Colossae. But before Paul rolls up his sleeves and goes on the attack and douses the fires of heresy, he first wants to warm their hearts. And so we go to verse 3 and see what Paul has to say to them. And Paul says this, We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, and it has also filled all the world. Well, stop right there in the middle of that verse, we'll get back to verse 6. But notice there's the faith, there's the hope, and there's the love. And that's the fruit when someone gives their heart to Jesus. That becomes their foundation for living in this world that we live in. Um, A Bible teacher refers to the faith, hope, and love as the apostolic mark of genuine believer in Jesus Christ. Understand the year was 62 A.D., Paul's in prison. It's only been 30 years since Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' command to go and share the gospel in the whole world to a few crazy fishermen and other disciples. Know that there's no motorized travel, no printing press, no radio, No film, no TV, no internet, no Facebook, not even Twitter. Jesus had left the gospel in the hands of these few fishermen. They're all gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem. What kind of progress in just three decades would you think would happen in the world? Well, that's a tough one to do. It'd be difficult, like Paul has said to them. The whole world, well, he's speaking of the Mediterranean world that they're living in, surrounding the Mediterranean Sea, and the gospel had reached all of that area by this time. It's amazing. In a brief 30 years, this has happened. I think there's two reasons. First, why it's the power of God the Holy Spirit filling his people But second, these people were available for God to fill and to use and to send out. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Whoa, all the way to willows? Yeah. Isn't that cool? It is. Well, look at your notes, the first one, and just kind of notice this. When God's power and man or woman or youth or child, when their availability come together, well, there's no limit to what can be accomplished. Right now, through one of our young people, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Club is going again on campus. There's no limit to what God can do. Still true today. The way I like to put it, Jesus is looking for fat Christians. What? Yeah, fat Christians, F-A-T. Faithful, available, and teachable and there's no limit to what god can do through the power of the holy spirit in his church in us and through you the gospel of jesus was on the move and according to verse 6 everywhere it went this is what happened so get back to verse 6 look in the middle there what is it what's happening in people's lives well, it's bringing forth fruit. Faith, hope, love is just the beginning of the fruit that the Lord pours out into our lives. As it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. And Colossians will just pound home truth, not feeling, Truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So Colossians, this new church that has learned to accept Jesus, to love Jesus, to begin to share his love with others, it's not unique. When believers embrace personally the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, spiritual fruit begins to happen in their lives from the inside out. So we're going to go next to Paul's prayer, verses 9 through 14. For this reason, what Paul has heard about from Epaphras about this young church, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now pay attention to how Paul prays. This is kind of fascinating. And we finish in verse 9. And we ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk Worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now consider Paul's prayer there. Notice how Paul prays for the things that we don't typically pray for. We, we kind of end up, and, and I want to say it's very important that we do, we end up kind of praying for more physical things like lord take care of his arthritis or happy could you know pray for my son be happy in his relationship or help them get the car fixed or you know we have a, a prayer list and it's just incredible how we have the opportunity to pray for the needs of one another and i'm i'm saying That should be always on our hearts and minds to pray in that way. Um, If we go back to Philippians where we've been and look at verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, this is the command. So you're going through a tough time physically or whatever it might be. Don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. But notice, Paul goes beyond that, and that's kind of what I want us to see this morning. Under the inspiration of the Spirit as he prays for these people, he asks, Lord, help them to know your will. Help them to walk a life that's worthy of what you have done for them. Help them be fruitful. Help them be strengthened in your power and your might, that they might not have to live a Christian life in their own strength. And Lord, help them to be patient and full of joy as they're going through difficult times. So Paul, his prayer goes beyond their physical needs and it focuses on their spiritual needs. Your notes number two, When praying for your kids, grandchildren, parents, family, friends, when when praying for the needs, which we absolutely certainly need to do, pray for the physical needs, but don't stop there. Follow Paul's example and pray for their spiritual health. If the Lord puts my family, my kids, my grandkids, Cheryl, myself, on your hearts to pray for. Certainly pray for the f- spiritual needs. That's what we need the most. You can pray for the physical needs too. That's, that'd be great, whatever they might be. But Paul may have had in mind Jesus' words as he shared with his disciples. In Matthew 6:25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, all the physical needs and stuff that you're going through, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, Jesus told them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What's the answer? Yes, absolutely. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows your needs. And Jesus said what we're to do is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be given to you as well. Do you believe that? Whoa, that takes a step of faith. Right? It really does. We continue to pray for needs. We don't want to be anxious. We want to put them in the Father's hands. But go beyond those needs and start praying for one another that that we would just be full of the Lord, that we would be strengthened from the inside out, that we would walk a life that, worthy of what Jesus has done for us. That our life might touch others' lives around us. And again, if you find yourself praying for myself or our family or Pastor Jared and his family or, or elders or deacons or others in your life group or whoever the Lord puts on your heart, go beyond needs. And I think it'd be a great idea if you just opened up Colossians and you took Paul's prayer and you just prayed that prayer for someone. Watch what might happen. It could be be life-changing. So I encourage us to do that. So when we pray like Paul, we just simply come as we are, Our baggage, our needs, our struggles, whatever they might be, and we come to Jesus. One of the verses that has held me up for many years, and I want to share with you this morning. There was a time when I read this verse and I go, Jesus, that's not happening. And then as I kept reading the verse and asked the Lord to work in my heart, I begin to see it. I begin to see his work in my life, and him lifting me up. And it's his invitation. In Matthew 11:28 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, whatever you might be going through. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that's what Paul says is saying that we might open our hearts and just be so full of the lord that fruit will begin to take place from the inside out for jesus says i'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so paul wraps up his prayer he reminds the colossians Here in these next verses that we'll look at, as we finish verse 12 through 14, he will remind them of how great the Father's love is for them. I found a very fascinating way. So let's go to the middle of verse 12. The Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light Verse 13 has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Isn't that an interesting statement? He's talking about his son Jesus. And he says, that's the son of my love. Let that sink in. For It's in Jesus, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And when we consider that our redemption could only come through the son of the father's love and his blood shed on Calvary's cross, that should really grab our heart take a moment to ponder and meditate and let it sink deeply into our hearts when jesus was sharing with a pharisee nicodemus one of the things that he shared with him was about the father's love and you see jesus knew how great the father's love was and this is what he shared john 3:16 For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that's the son of his love, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that not just amazing? It just blows me away. So as you pray for the needs, Yeah, pray for the physical needs, but go beyond that and remember Jesus' words. As we pray, remember how great the Father's love is for you, that he would give the Son of his love on your behalf to take my place and your place on Calvary's cross to pour out his blood that we might be forgiven for eternity and know that we have eternal life through Jesus. And that's why, because we know the extent of his love, we can go back to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 as we pray and not be anxious. We're to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. So already this little book has a huge way touched my heart and encouraged me to pray more and to pray for you and please pray for us. So, now back to Epaphras coming to Paul. Whoa, we got a problem in Colossae. And he's a new Christian and he's over his head in the problem. He doesn't know what to do. Paul, I need help. The false teachers are coming, they're knocking on the door, and they're saying, oh, just believing in Jesus, that's not enough. And so the very person and work and deity of Jesus was being questioned. It was under attack. And Paul now is going to roll up his sleeves. He's going to put on his spiritual boxing gloves, Man, he's going to come out swinging. And we're going to look at this next section that begins the supremacy of Christ, verses 15 through 17. Who is Jesus? He is the image, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. By the way, that leaves nothing out. All things were created through him and for him. And when the Bible says all, what does it mean? And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And we're just going to take a quick look at these verses. He, Jesus, verse 15, is the image of the invisible God. On your notes, number three, the Greek term image means exact representation. Not just like alike in form, but also in substance. Jesus was fully God, very God, in nature and character. Paul's point, though Jesus was 100% a human being, he wasn't a weaker or created reflection of God, as some were claiming in Colossae, he was the full blaze of God's glory. Remember the three on the Mount of Transfiguration when, when the glory of the divine nature of Jesus himself somehow broke through the human form and they saw the glory of God. Jesus himself put it this way in John fourteen nine. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. But wait, Paul says, I'm just getting started. There's more. In verse 15, Jesus was also the firstborn over all creation. Now, the false teachers were taking that and they weren't using the biblical use of firstborn, and they were trying to infer, aha, see, Jesus was created. He wasn't always God from eternity past. He's not truly, totally divine. He's not God, God the Son. He's not God of very God. And today there are several groups that come knocking on doors, echoing this same heresy, and they're presenting a counterfeit Christ. But the early church fathers correctly explained that the biblical term firstborn refers to his title of status, and not just some birth order, not that at all. If you look in Exodus 4.22, God calls Jacob the firstborn, even though it was Esau that was born before him. In Jeremiah 31.9, Ephraim is called firstborn, but it's over his older brother, Manasseh. Look on your notes, number four. Biblically speaking, the term firstborn is a title of authority and preeminence. Authority and preeminence. That's Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. There will be a day when every knee will bow before him. As the firstborn over all creation, Jesus is not part of creation. Jesus is the chief. He's the CEO of all creation. And more than that, Paul explains Jesus is God the creator of all creation. Let's look at verse 16. God, the creator of all creation, for by him, verse 16, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Have you ever wondered really, what is this life all about? Why am I here? Why was I created? Well, Paul says, here's what it's all about. Here's the secret to what makes life worth living. You were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And this means the only way life will work as, it, as it's meant to work is through him and for him, and you'll be fulfilling the only reason of what life is really all about. So, give an example. You know, I've had some friends take me up in airplanes and gone over the valley and looked at things, and I'm thinking, well, the rice harvest, I'd love to see from the air the rice harvest i'm going to call a friend who has an airplane and maybe get another lot ride and go see how everybody's doing and i I'd, I'd like to go flying and i call him up and i go hey could you take me up today and over the valley and so forth oh sorry i'm out of town i go oh wait a minute i didn't think of this i could just rev up my chevy volt it's a plug-in hybrid, you know. It's really something. I could drive up a mountain, I could hit the accelerator, and I could fly out over the valley. It'd be great. Wait a minute. (laughs) That's not going to happen. My Volt was never made to fly. A very nice California Highway Patrol officer told me that just the other day. (laughs) So too, people say. I'm going to fly high. I'm going to take all life has and grab it. I'm going to live for myself. But they end up crashing because that's not what life was designed to be. To simply work and play and party and earn and spend and save and sleep and eat and toil and try, and sweat, and cry, and eventually die. We were designed for so much more. Verse, not verse, number five in your notes. You and I, we were created through Jesus and for Jesus, And we'll never know real fulfillment apart from a personal walk and relationship with him. Amen? Amen. But wait, Paul's not finished yet. There's more. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. This life, this experience, the creation all around us. And I, when I say creation, I mean creation. And one of the things, I was reading an article about the blueprint of DNA. And you could fill a library with this, the, the instructions for how to build a living organism with the DNA. And I was reading this article, and they were saying, we're on the verge of bringing back distinct animals because we were able to get their DNA, but we're also able to get something else. And I think it was called RNA. I'm not sure. But what, without the RNA, the DNA does no good because it's the RNA that takes the instructions of the DNA and begins to build fingernails, and hands, and eyes, and ears. It's like you can have a blueprint for a house, but if you don't have a contractor that can take the blueprint and gather the materials that's needed and then make it happen, it's not gonna happen. Talk about creation It couldn't have just happened over time. It is so complex and so mysterious. Only God himself designed and could have created what we experience all around us. And now we see it's all about him, even in creation that we're living in right now, and in him all things Consist. Number six on your notes Jesus is not only God, the creator of the universe, but He's its sustainer. He holds it all together. You look at the atom, the basic laws of physics, and it states like charges repel. The nucleus of every atom is made up of particles of like charges, protons. Scientists have theories, but no one really knows what makes it stick. One scientist ended up after he explored for years. He says, you know, the closer you look, it almost gets mystical. That's a quote from Discover Magazine, July 2000. But long before science began to know anything about this mystic arena of the atom within the atom paul reveals i know is jesus he's the sustainer he's holding it all together and there will be a day that he lets go and all creation will literally vaporize and then he'll create a new heaven and a new earth So as we wrap this up this morning, I ask the worship team to come on up. Just the thing I want us to notice, Jesus is the one that holds all things together, not just atomically, but Jesus holds my life together, my family, my sanity, my schedule when I let him, my joy, oh, and my future. Jesus sustains me. But here's what I want you to know. He will hold you together no matter what you're going through. Jesus will sustain you. You were created through him and for him. And don't miss out. And it's his invitation, and I want to share this verse one more time because it's meant so much to me. And every time I read this verse, I understand in a new and a deeper way how much Jesus loves me and what he has done for me and wants to continue to do. And he simply says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And Paul's just getting started telling us about Jesus. Next time. Okay, let's stand and worship him. There's this young man, Erastus. And he met Paul, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And just the words of that song, I think, bring out how his heart was just overflowing. That when he got back home to Colossae, he couldn't hold it inside. He just had to tell somebody. Well, that's, that's how a church grows. That's how people come to know Jesus. And it's my prayer, as Paul prayed for the Colossians. It's my prayer and I want to be included in being prayed for for all the things that prayed Paul prayed for. Mm-hmm. That be strengthened by his love, his strength, that we'd live a life with his help that glorifies him. That we'd be just so full of him that we couldn't help but share with others how awesome Jesus is. And the thing that strikes me Jesus says I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you'll find rest and he says just come to me maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your savior why not today just come to him or you're going through some tough times or have a friend that's going through tough times just bring them bring the tough times to him We're here to pray with you after the service. Mm -hmm. And may the Lord richly bless you today and go with you and just cause you to shine for him this next week. God bless. Thanks for coming today.